This is an Equity Beats Media podcast. Equity Mates. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in roughly 20 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? Very good, Bryce. Uh, we're sitting in the same room, which is a rare occasion. Rare occasion. Days. And for the first time, I'm actually down in Melbourne. Yeah, it's you've, about you've, time we... have heaped the pressure on. Yeah, shared the load. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I've uh, forked out for flights and uh, here we are. Yeah, there you go. Good to good to see. Yes, in your in your apartment. Um, went and saw the bombers house live even. last night. Yeah. Sorry, house. Yes, sorry. House we in Richmond. Yeah, we caught an apartment. <laughs> 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 we, 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 we've just given away. Yeah. <laughs> there is a third person here. Um, so I guess we can crack straight into it, Ren. I yeah. was going to talk about the Bombers win last night, but well, we're maybe, not gonna... maybe this mystery guest can uh, also join that conversation. Sure. So for the first time ever, we are going to be doing a Mates of Equity Mates interview. Yeah. We have previously been interviewing experts in the field of investing. Who are our mates? Who are our mates, But yeah. this is the first mate that predates... Equity plans. Yes. And the I whole mean, it depends how you define expert, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, we originally set up Equity Mates to actually try and track and uh, the journey of our mates as we learnt to invest. Yep. Unfortunately, no other mates got on board. We have managed to find one, though, that has shown uh, a small interest in investing. So we thought we'd sit down with him today. And just chat through um, all things investing from a beginner perspective. We thought we would um, exploit that interest for our content. Yes, yes. So without keyword being small, small. <laughs> so without further ado, Ren, I'll let you introduce our special guest because you do live with him. <laughs> I do. So, uh, Kip, uh, welcome to the show. Hello, Equity Mates. <laughs> Is that what we call our? Well, we. Yes. Not part of it. Is that what you call your guests? And that probably shows um, how few episodes I've listened to because I'm not sure what you call your, <laughs> your listeners. So <clears throat> one of the hardest things for us, Ren, has been able to crack our mates listening to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just because they get wigged out about the sound of our voice and they probably somewhat don't trust what yeah, we're saying. you wouldn't think I've asked the experts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are there any? Any what? Any mates, any mates who listen to it? Yes. I've listened to two episodes. <laughs> so le- less than a percent? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But two good episodes. I remember them being entertaining. I can't. I couldn't tell you what they were about. I think one was maybe like, "What is a share?" Yeah. Like, good start. start? Yeah. <laughs> Could have said they were about investing. That's generally a safe bet. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kip, do you want to just give a bit of a quick intro into uh, a bit about your background mm. and how you have become Kip? <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll get stuck into. Uh, then we'll get stuck into. You don't have to give us too much detail on how you became. I guess it goes back to 1992 when uh, my dad Gavin Frawley. Uh, well, no, that's getting a bit too personal. Um, so I guess I met you guys up in Canberra when we started university together. <clears throat> Sorry, listeners, I've got a bit of a cold. I've been kind of a bit of man flu all week. But I said to Bryce when he arrived today, I'm, I'm all better, so I'm not contagious. Good to know. Um, yeah, I guess we met at university. Uh, we all lived together at 
different stages. I think we overlapped. Were we all in the same house? Yeah, we, we were, yeah. Six at the months. same time. Yeah. Uh, I was studying law at the time. I'm now a, a lawyer and I've been doing that for a few years. But I've been living in Melbourne since midway through last year when Renners and I started living together. Um, before that, I was in Wangaratta, which is where I grew up. Tiger supporter. Tiger supporter. Through and through. Long suffering. I've seen him cry was over the tigers. Was long suffering. <laughs> Thought dinner should go. Thought dinner should no, go. I yeah. So. I, don't, I don't remember that. I do remember I'm one of, I'm one of five kids, uh, four boys, one girl. And one of the one of the happiest moments in my life, which this could be uplifting or could be quite sad, was 2017, uh, being at the footy, watching the Tigers demolish the Crows with my uh, three brothers, dad, and one of my brother's mates. It was a special moment. Mm, yeah, I can imagine it would be quite exciting. Mm. Um, and Tigers have been going well since then, so we're not going to talk to you this yeah, year. But anyway, we're not here to chat football. And when you're playing your two side in a one side, we're not here to chat football. So let's move on to the investing side. Uh, I think that's what everyone listens to the podcast for. So I think from my point of view, Kip, I'd like to start by just, I guess, making note that through uni, we did live together, you've always been quite um, careful with your money. Mm. And uh, don't that necessarily... makes you sound like a tight ass. <laughs> no, you're not a tight ass. You're just, uh, I guess, selecting what you spend it on and mm. no uh, unnecessary spending, which I think for a beginner is important when it comes yep. to putting money away for investing. Mm. Since um, starting full time work, um, have you at all um, made any investments outside of obviously cash in the bank? Uh, so I invested in a car, if you can call that an investment. I would say no, but <laughs> as soon as you drive away, it starts losing value. So, but if you classify not... that as investment, fair. I mean, I don't, but that's where some of my money went. Yeah. Um, not that we're here to talk about my car. <laughs> I don't even like it that much, and I'm, I'm going to get a new car because I'm looking at a four-wheel drive. But I did put a significant amount of money into a, a car. I'll recoup some of that, but you're right; it's um, depreciating in value as we speak. Any assets? Outside of that, um, I have bought some shares. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I guess my my understanding of shares is probably limited to um, my dad coming home from work when we were kids, him checking the the, uh, the finance section of the news. Mm-hmm. And I remember him having, you know, Colesmeyer, Combank, NAB, just blue chip shares. Mm-hmm. So that's what I remember about shares growing up and it really didn't, I don't know, form part of any sort of meaningful um, part of my life. I certainly wasn't interested in it through school or through uni and it probably wasn't until you guys started doing this that I <clears throat> that my interest was sort of peaked. So have you bought any shares? I have. So through Stake, and this sounds like it's going to be a little, <laughs> a little pre-publicity, <laughs> but through through Stake, um, Renner's encouraged me to, to get on there. So... Uh, it was it was relatively easy, I think, for someone who doesn't know uh, where to buy shares or how to do it or where to go. Renner sort of walked me through it, and it was literally like shopping on eBay and just clicking. Well, I want some of that, and I want some of that. So the plan being that I'd, I'd eventually, um, I guess, next year I'm moving into a stage where I want to have at least sort of about ten grand in shares. As okay, a mini goal. Good goal, yeah. Um, at the moment, I got two grand in. And I'll sort of continue to chuck that in every few months. Yeah. And so the big question, I think, is what what did you buy first? Uh, 
off your suggestion. <laughs> we don't give tips. We don't give advice. <laughs> it wasn't so much advice, um, more a suggestion, picking something that I was interested in. Um, we were talking before about my Google phone and how, how superior it is to an Apple phone. Um, I like I like Available. Google. I like I like their products. Uh, I like what they're about as a company, and uh, I have some interest in them. And I think they'll they'll do well moving into the future. So that was a reason for one purchase. And now I can't even remember what the other share I bought was. It was an EFT. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, think... Is it SM? Is a Vanguard S and P five hundred? Nice. You yeah. Yeah. So two stocks that are American, Hmm. exposure to the American market. And very recently in our WhatsApp group, you showed interest in wanting to buy more Hmm. and wanting to know how you can do that outside of stake. Yeah. Um, Because obviously stake, as you mentioned, is American only. So have you had any further thought on what the next step is going to be? How are you going to get to that 10 G's? So I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> the the money side of things is enough because at the moment, again, it sounds like I'm cashed up and I'm just <laughs> sitting on a big pile. But I think I have been saving, which I think is something I've pulled out of. Um, uh, what are the weekly starters? Equity Thought starters. Thought starters. starters. Yeah. Yeah. Loving these plugs that you're giving us. So keep it up. Well, you made me sign up for it now. It comes, it comes through every Monday. And it's good, isn't it? I flick through it. Um, God, that's all I ask. It's mildly interesting. Oh, it's great. You should check it out if you haven't checked it out. Uh, and I think one of the articles or one of your little blurbs was uh, saving to, in, to invest instead of saving for saving. Yeah. Or maybe I heard Don't save to save, save to invest. Which is what I'm doing at the moment. I am saving... Uh, for saving, I'm getting three and a half percent with ING. Again, not a plug, just the bank I use. Okay, that's all right. Um, it's better than most banks these days. Yeah, but I, I am saving for a purpose, which I'm um, not going to fully disclose here. But <laughs> yep. sorry, we don't need your life story; just your investing <laughs> one. <laughs> but I do have enough to to put aside to invest as well. So the idea being that uh, yeah, I'm going to work towards that towards the end of next year. Have ten grand in a diversified enough. Uh, portfolio and so part of that is going to be having some in the Australian market um, maybe some in the Asian markets and maybe some in the European market Mm. but you did ask about Uber and whether (laughs) I thought about anything else so that didn't really answer your question (laughs) Um, we can talk about Uber in a sec mm. yeah let's let's before we move on from the beginnings Mm. you know this part part of getting you on and trying to get some of our other equity mates on is to Talk about your experience starting and some of the questions that you had because mm. if you've had the experience, chances are a lot of listeners have had this experience mm. and they just don't have the platform to ask. Mm. We've so, had the experience. As well, well, I mean, we, yeah, we, our listeners are sick to death of us talking about <laughs> our experiences though. So what, before you signed up with Stake, mm. if you put yourself back in those shoes, what were some of the big things that were stopping you or what were some of the big questions that you had um, before you started? I'm I'm a face-to-face sort of people person and having a bit of sense of security and signing along a dotted line or you know having a bit of paper so I think part of it for me was you know you mentioned a couple of platforms I didn't feel entirely confident about you know handing over as I say as a starting point a couple of grand which you know it's not going to get you a house but it's you don't want to lose that um yeah, not being confident enough, I think, in the different institutions there are and where your money's going, especially if it's going overseas. 
Mm. Um, you know, in a sense, you lose the jurisdiction. So that was, that was one aspect to it. Um, the other aspect was just not knowing where those platforms are. I knew you could do it in a bank, but my bank didn't do it. So I did have to sign up with like Combank or, pardon me, someone else. Um, yeah. What about your fear of loss? Like you mentioned it, but that I understood that to be fear of loss by not trusting the institution itself. Yeah. Because one of the obviously one of the things that beginners always talk about. I'm thinking one about my housemate Ryan is oh, I, don't, I just don't want to lose the money. Mm. Um, and we all know, and we've spoken about it for two years, that the likelihood of you losing money is real. Um, but you know, you only need three out of ten to come off, and it. it pushes it in in the opposite direction. So I'm wondering yeah, how you feel about that. I don't think that's ever really formed. Actually, no, it would have once upon a time. I think if you asked me that five or six years ago, definitely would have been uh, informing my thinking. I think, no, too risky a share. It's not for me. Uh, whether it's hearing a bit from you guys or just, you know, a few more years under the belt and a bit, of, bit more life experience, I think... At least listening to the experts, uh, you hear that really the upwards trend of the market. Um, if you're in it for the long game, which I guess what my investing would be, I'm not chucking in a couple of grand hoping to make 500 back in six months. Uh, that that yeah, that wasn't really a, a concern. Yeah, that's no, good. Hmm. I think that's one of the hardest things to overcome, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To stop thinking about like gambling and start thinking about like long-term investing. Yeah. So you're worried about. You know, giving your money to some company that you didn't really know about. Mm. There are a few barriers to entry because your bank doesn't have an investing platform. What was it that helped you overcome that? Renners. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Equity mate. So, so the, the lesson for everyone is just to live with someone who's interested in investing. Maybe. It may, yeah, it makes it easy. But we, I mean, we know that that's true, right? There's, it's that whole social proof thing, right? If someone else has done it and it turns mm. out you, you get confidence just by knowing that others have done it before you and, and whatnot. Um, so what you're saying is if you're listening to this and you have no friends that have done it, you, you need be to that find. social proof. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Or find someone who is doing it and just yeah. stand next to them and you're like, okay. Or just use us as your social proof. Yeah. Use Kip as your social proof. Mm. Yeah. So now that you have invested, um, how do you treat those investments? Do you look at them daily? Are you spending more time looking at the markets in general now that you're invested in a broad index? Um, no. has it triggered your interest in it any further other than knowing that you probably want to put another eight cheese in at some point? Yeah, I think the latter. So no, I don't really check on them. Uh, I probably opened up the stack at stake app half a dozen times. <clears throat> some, do- some days it's in the green, some days it's in the red. Uh, but that, that was never really going to be a concern because again, the money I'm putting in, I've, I've flagged and recognized that I don't need that money mm-hmm. for the next 12, 24, 36 months. Uh, to the extent that it's generated any other interest, I mean, when Renners brings home the AFR, I sort of flick through it and <laughs> uh, I think I should read that, but then I don't. Um, I think an area of uh, interest of mine generally is just trying to get to understand and know a bit more about the energy sector and, and renewables. So I think in that sense, uh, that's an area that I'd like to maybe invest in. And I can't remember if I was speaking to you, Renners, or, or my brother uh, about 
getting into something like AGL or a specific company like Origin Energy. Um, but I think more and more I'm thinking I would like to get just into EFTs that focus on certain areas. So whether it's like a Central European EFT, the Germans ETF. do things, ETF. <laughs> there you go. Why didn't you correct me the first time I said that? I didn't pick no, it up. I, I didn't, didn't pick it up. I didn't want to be that guy. <laughs> you should have. Um, EFT is the bank transfer, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, electronic yeah. funds transfer. Yeah. So you're two in the banking world, mate. You need to get in more. See, when, I, when I said what shares I had at the start, I think I said I've got a Vanguard S&P AFT, and you're both like, yeah, nice. I didn't pick up AFT. Mm, yeah. Anyway. No, it's like <laughs> not calling out someone having food we, in their tea. We were going to edit it out in post-production. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's sort of the general plan. Rather than trying to pick specific companies, yeah. letting... Uh, the experts do it yeah. and just sort of, uh, uh, what's it called? Set, set, set and forget. forget. Set and forget. Yeah. Because yeah. Mm. I'm not interested enough. I want I want the money to do its thing in the background mm-hmm. and I can go and do other things yeah. that I like doing. Well, that's one of our key messages, isn't it, Ren, is to forget stock picking. Yeah. I, I think you've got a re- very good attitude and temperament for it. Because mm-hmm. like people early days generally are nervously checking all the time and, you know, riding those highs and lows. Well, they want the quick win. That's half the issue yeah, as well. Yeah. People expect to put money in shares and it's just going to, you know, as you said, it's going to be that you put in two and walk out with a house. I mean, it's mm. just, it doesn't, it's not going to happen. It like could, that. but it'll be 40 years of waiting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You might get lucky in the first investment you put in and it does double its money, but like um, you can't go in with that expectation, I don't mm. think. So you're now in the market and mm. you did, we flagged this earlier, but you messaged Bryce and I a couple of days ago asking about Uber. Mm. So tell us your thinking on Uber and um, is it something that you have bought? I've looked at it. I think the share price is like 38 or 40 bucks at the moment. <clears throat> so I thought from that sense, it could be fun to just have one, a bit like Google that I've got, have one and just sort of see how it tracks yep. as a bit of a pet project. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whatever gets you interested. Um but what did I see? I saw I saw Uber Air on the news the other night in Melbourne. Which is? Uh, good question, Bryce. <laughs> Uber, Uber well, Air. Well, I had to Google it. I didn't know. Oh, really? No. Okay. There's three trial cities. Everyone listening would know what Uber is and what Uber does. Or if you didn't, you'd probably have been living under a rock. Um, Uber Air, I guess, is is transforming the the transportation grid and turning it three-dimensional. I think the idea being we live in a three-dimensional world. We've got skyscrapers, you know, we've got air transport. But at the moment, our transportation grid is two-dimensional. You've got trains going along, you've got bikes, you've got cars. But we've got all this unused space and and potential. And at least from what I can tell, the, the idea being these pilotless, Uber drones, light aircraft, whatever they've called them. Um, imagine, imagine like a Avengers or X Men type helicopter that launches vertically, but then tilts its propellers and moves forward oh, like yeah. a light plane. Mm. So they take off, whatever the aeronautical terms are, take off like a helicopter, but then fly like a plane. This is what Uber's bringing. That's what Uber's bringing. And there's three test cities. I think one was San Fran. One's Melbourne. Do they have a pilot or is it automatic? Just go listening. <laughs> no, 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 I'm listening. I, I heard you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Maybe they're starting off with 
um, pilots, but what I heard was pilotless. Wow. Pilotless drones on it, like. And so, so they, is it like just programmed in? They know where to go, or yeah. Well, I haven't done that much research. <laughs> this is crazy. 20, 2020, 2023. They must have designated pick up and drop off zones. They will. Yeah. So it'll be like the top of skyscrapers. So I think it'll be for businessmen and women yeah. traveling between. Yeah, because I mean, so I'm not like, about to walk to the top of the 50th floor. So it'll be an Uber. <laughs> so it'll be no. like carrier pigeons. So they're like they know where to go back, and then they go. I guess if you want to think about it in carrier pigeon terms, then maybe. How are Saudis doing this, though? Don't they have flying taxis already in Dubai? Maybe they're Uber taxis. You know what I picture? I picture the fifth element. What's that? Yeah, the movie with Bruce Uh, Willis. I think we were watching it recently. (laughs) Check it out. Um, So, I I think it's not just limited to that. So it's not just helipad to helipad transportation. They're going to incorporate into their entire network. So maybe there's an active transportation component. So you ride a bike that you'll pick up. That'll take you to a car, which will take you to a building. Building up the top, elevator, drone takes you somewhere else, and then there'll be a car waiting for you at the end. So, okay, keeping everyone in a loop. Yeah. Um, Good way does, to avoid traffic. Does that reduce congestion below? I think you'd have to have a fair few drones. <laughs> <flying around. laughs> and then you get sky congestion. Yeah. But I like I like the fact that it's a company that's already on the ground. Um, pardon the pun, but bringing something else in new. Like who knows what's going to happen in the future, where it's going to take us. But I like that they're at least pushing the boundaries now with their ideas. And 2023 is... It's not that far close. away. Mm, yeah. 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 And Melbourne's one of the the, uh, the host trial cities, whatever you call it. Wow. Mm. Okay. So it was for that reason that you have considered investing in Uber. Mm. Yeah. And now that I think about it, uh, maybe I would. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Why not? Talk mm. yourself into it. Mm. I mean, you use, do you use Uber Eats? Not so much. I, um, I do I cook my... I mean, every now and then, maybe once a fortnight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, once every three weeks. So Uber just IPO'd, what, two months ago maybe? Yeah, about that, yeah. And uh, have slowly been coming good from a share price perspective. You know, they bombed 20% on the first day or something, Mm. didn't they? Yeah. Um, So keep us posted on that, Kip. So obviously you'll buy that, I assume, through Stake. Yeah, through Stake. That's another American company. Mm. Uh, Anything in Australia that you have considered at all? I think I'm going to put in, I'll probably, this is probably the incentive for me to do it this week because I've just been, you, you guys wouldn't have this experience. But I think once you're in, it's just so much easier to, to go again. It's like a gateway drug, I guess, or something <laughs> like that. Or, you know, like any new skill. Like once you've done it, yeah. it's, it's so much easier. So this will actually prompt me to do it. But um, at the AFIC, I'm not going to get the acronym, but is it the Australian... Um, you're talking about the listed yeah, yeah. AFI, AFI, isn't it? AFI, AFI, yeah, AFI. Australian Foundation Investment, Investment Company. company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think one of our mates Flynn's invested mm. in that. One of the oldest. Yeah, companies. super old. Yeah. yeah. So how did you come across that one? Uh, the Barefoot. Oh. oh yeah. Don't 
Hey, well, he who oh. shall not be mentioned. <laughs> the only reason we say that is because we've tried to get him on the podcast and he's too big for... Not only uh, that, because he's... Bo- I, anyway. I like to say he's too big for his boots, but he doesn't wear boots. He's uh, too big for his, <laughs> his, his socks. <laughs> okay, so nice. So obviously that's a recommendation of his in the book, is it? I haven't read it and I won't be. <laughs> <laughs> it's on, it's on, it will not be a book club. It's funny you say that, Bruce, because I was in your place in Sydney recently and I saw Barefoot for Fan. Families. Families on your bookshelf. Hey, I'm planning a family, all right? <laughs> so either you've not I'm not that. for listeners who are out there. And it was market research only. Mm, yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. Anyway, let's He not, read it, but he didn't take a word let, with it. Also, if I'm not being, if it's not too critical, I actually speed read. Speed read? Yeah, the whole book. Speed read. Is that what you would say? That's Sped Red. Sped Red. <laughs> I speed read it at your house, and it was it was pretty much a copy of the, the first book. It's a colouring in book. No, it's not. It's pretty much. <laughs> Bryce's market research isn't quite there yet. <laughs> anyway, so AFI, let's talk through yeah. AFI. You're, it's a, it's a um, good place to start, I think. Yeah. Um, pretty so well-diversed, solid consistent i think pays a pretty good dividend mm. um great place to park some money is uh, uh, first off mm. um yeah so i guess my strategy was i had i had about you know i kept talking about this 10 i had about 10 grand that i thought i could put in and not need um sort of set and forget and i didn't want to put it all in the one time and a friend of actually it was my it was my girlfriend's dad recommended or said to me, there's no, there's going to be no perfect time to mm. get in. One approach, a approach, is to uh, put 30% in now, 30% in six months, 30% in another six months. Love that. So I think that's that's sort of what I'm aiming for. It's been a few months since I put that in. I might put another two in AFI, and in another three months, you know, make a pick. So that's sort of my my approach and what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the great thing that we're hearing is that all of these things that we talk about, you're sort of naturally doing. So, like, that's called dollar cost averaging. Um, you know, you've got a very long-term focus. So, it seems like you've, you've got a lot of the, the building blocks there. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of potential there. I love that approach. I think a lot of uh, beginners get scared about, all oh, trying to time the market. And that's one of the best ways that you can avoid, pardon me, worrying about that. It sort of falls under that rules-based investing approach which is you just say i've got eight grand and i'm going to say every three months regardless of what's going on i'm just going to buy x x x takes away the fear of oh is this the right time you know over that period you'll you'll just you'll just buy in so i think that's a a really solid approach what do you guys know about uber that led you to instantly dismiss me (laughs) what's that so for some context kip did message both ren and i saying uh, I'm not, I can't no, read it, can't read out, but yeah, you know, what are our thoughts on Uber? And I think Ren was quick on the text to reply, nah, don't do Uber. Yeah. And I, I would also follow so, suit yeah. with that. But then you did follow by saying um, you should yourself. back your conviction mm-hmm. because I think that's also very important because Kip had a few <laughs> reasons as to why he thought Uber might be a good investment, Air being one of them. And so, by all means, don't listen to what Ren is saying, but what are your thoughts, Ren? What's your answer to Kip? So, no one knows what the future will hold, but if Uber continues to just be a subsidised taxi service, 
there's probably some concerns about how financially viable it is. So right now they lose about a billion dollars a quarter. And the best description I've ever heard of Uber as a taxi business is it's a, the world's largest wealth transfer scheme. It takes money from rich investors and it pays out subsidised transport to everyday people. Like every fare that Uber run, they, they lose money at the moment. And, and, and the, the cost the of that is going up. I think they lost 40 cents in every dollar for their first trip and now that's 67 yeah. or something. So. And, and, and the logic of that for potentially is solid, that you undermine taxis and they well and truly undermine taxis and then everyone uses Uber and then they, have the, they dominate the market, they can raise prices in the future, they get enough volume, they get enough network efficiency, their cost of doing business per trip goes down. There are reasons why that could work, but for me, there's increasing competition. You know, we've, we see Ola and a whole bunch of other mm. ones. In America, Lyft is also quite big. So the question is, potentially Uber has just paved the way, smashed the taxi industry globally, but what's going to happen is they're not going to dominate the market. Instead, the market will fragment into a bunch of different ride-sharing companies. They may with Uber Air, though. They may. They may, and That's yes. why I say I don't know what the future will hold. Mm. If, the, if Uber Air becomes ubiquitous and, you know, everyone's flying around in the Uber-owned air taxis to work, then, you know, they're worth close to $100 billion now. They might be a first trillion-dollar company. Yeah. It's starting to sound like a lousy investment now that you say that. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> It's no. not like Ansett Australia, though. They weren't the only ones flying... Domestic the hard thing with this is that it's so disruptive that we don't really have much to benchmark it against in terms mm. of what – we're in an era now where so much private investment is going into tech companies that are losing so much money. Like these companies are coming onto the share market with terrible balance sheets, yet it's all about market capital, you know, capturing as much market share as possible for that – unknown period of time yeah. where they could then utilise the billions of people using it. So and, it's, it's and very much an unknown. There is logic to that. The, the logic of that for tech, tech companies is the incremental cost of each additional user is next to zero. So mm. like Netflix is willing to lose heaps of money because it doesn't cost anything for you to sign up if I've already signed up. Like the, the content is what is their big cost. Mm. So if they can spread that out across more users, mm. their path to profitability is easier. Yeah. The question is, is that the case with Uber? Is Uber a tech company where they've got high fixed cost and low variable cost? Or is Uber a more traditional transport company where each incremental ride that they add to their, you know, their fleet, that each additional ride they sell, there's a whole lot of extra cost. cost that yeah. they mm. and <clears throat> I guess I obviously haven't done, uh, aside from watching uh, the 7 o'clock news at ABC <laughs> Melbourne, I haven't done my homework, so to speak. <laughs> it's quickly becoming <laughs> However, but this, that's that wasn't the point of this. No, no, was and no one really goes to the level of, like, you don't, yeah, anyway. Correct. Yeah. However. First investment. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Slater and God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you cannot do what's the <laughs> we, we don't know, and clearly I don't know because I haven't read enough about Uber, but Maybe maybe they're up there with Google producing some really great AI, which actually they mentioned on, on the ad or in their little five-minute thing, uh, AI and the development of driverless cars. So whether that then becomes their model and they're one of the leaders in that space and Uber Air really takes off. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> 
That was a good one, kid. Oh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, so 100% right. Like drivers are their biggest cost, so mm-hmm. they can do autonomous cars. You know, changes the game. When I was in the US in 2016, I saw the Uber autonomous car driving around. So mm-hmm. they're you know they're in that race. Well, if they keep getting uh, class actions brought against them, yeah. <laughs> But I, I, feel, I feel for them it's almost just cost of doing business. Like, yeah. They'll just, they'll wear it. So, Kip, you've actually demonstrated that you've you've got a pretty solid base, as Renners keeps saying, that, you know, great attitude, pretty decent idea of what you want to achieve in terms of 10 grand into the market, pretty good approach to segmenting that across a period of time, reasonable idea of what you want to invest in, AFI or more of Uber or whatever it may be, maybe, maybe both. Maybe less of Uber now. I, I guess. guess. Maybe some <laughs> e- ETFs as well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Still very early. Still very early days. What's, I guess, one thing, the next thing that you really want to understand to take the next step, uh, like be it understanding brokers or I don't know, what's something that... Great, great question, Bryce. And <laughs> I'm glad you, you asked. Um, Super. I've in, ah. in, in the barefoot. Um, he talks. There's all these steps, and if you haven't read Barefoot, I'd, I'd recommend reading it. Um, not. This is not Well, you guys can write a book if you want. We are. Well, I'll happily plug it. And so are you. You're my own podcast. The people, the people you meet. Anyway, we can talk about that later. But, super. Um, obviously, a lot of your listeners will know if they've got a job or a part-time job or just from living in Australia, um, your superannuation, is it tax, tax at 15%? The tax yes. rate in your superannuation yes. fund? Yeah. Yeah. You um, my, I'm with Australian Super. I had to change why well, I changed my insurance recently because that's one of the things yeah. Barefoot, I think, recommends. <laughs> Bit of paying premiums, like, I don't need income protection. If you listen to our superannuation episode, he would have known. Uh, all right, well, t- <laughs> anyway, two yeah. things. I'm not, I'm not looking for a house anytime soon, um, but I know the the first time Super Saver is in, so that's maybe in five years' time I will want a home. Uh, so I guess I'm deciding between whether I start looking to invest through my super fund at that better tax rate at 15% or chucking my money in for a house. So I want to know, I think you asked me a question. Yeah. I want to know what you guys know about, <laughs> uh, you know, the super light, I think they call it like super light uh, self-managed funds. So yes. you invest within your own fund. So not yep. your own super whatever you call it, self-managed fund, yeah. you're with Host Plus or Australian Super or... You have more control. Not one of those bloody banks or something like that. <laughs> industry, one of those. Yeah, industry uh, Unfortunately, I'm still not with one of those. Who are you with? I'm with Outland. I'm on the elevator up here. It's not too late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's not, that's not late, the man. question you asked, so it's not too late. <laughs> Doing with I know. No, it's just, it he's was lazy. Really yeah, he's lazy. He's lazy. It was just easy. Yeah. Oh, so lazy. Anyway. And then I was going to change, but then I looked at their fees, and their fees aren't that high. So then that was sort of a moment. Yeah, but they'll charge you when you're dead. 
Yeah, but I don't need it when I'm dead. <laughs> you can't take it with you. <laughs> Maybe by then you could. Maybe. We don't know. Anyway, I actually, do you want to? No, do you want to? <laughs> no, tell us now. Well, I was listening to another. I was listening to. Well, <laughs> stop playing another podcast. Stop playing Hamish, Hamish Blake. Hamish Blake and Will Anderson were talking about, and I haven't heard this. Maybe your listeners have, but apparently, they're talking about perhaps in the future drawing your soul or consciousness out and making that live through AI. Wow. Is, that, is that like the singularity? Wow. Is that, I don't know. Now that's, that's an investment. investment. Yeah. Wow. Would you want to live forever? Yes. No. Oh, no. We could unpack this. But I think the original question was on light, super light. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys do anything with your super or? So I am with Host Plus. Mm. Great. Right. Really good. Mm. Really good. Barefoot's favourite. <laughs> Barefoot's favourite. You didn't need to add that in. Because <laughs> you will not be coming back on this show. <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, with Host Plus, and I didn't realise until we did our episode on Super a month or so ago that you could do that, um, I think, invest in the ASX 300, with, you know, the top 300 companies on the mm. ASX. And really take a lot more control over your superannuation. You would have to know what you were doing. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. You would really want to. You'd probably want to get some advice. You would want to, yeah, get some advice or absolutely be very confident in your strategy. Mm. Can, um, can you split it out? Can you do like 50% managed by Host Plus, 50% directed by you? My understanding, and I could be wrong and happy for anyone to correct me on this, but it, it is from a point in time. So up until, say if I choose to do it now, anything previous to that I think is set. Yep. But yeah. anything from X, you can then do what I want. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty you, sure. You, you needed a minimum of $10,000 balance. Can to you swap do that. back and forth as well? From what I understand, yeah. Okay. So you can do it in multiple ways. You can do it so that it will give you a whole list of assets, classes, cash, bonds, um, shares, international, etc., property. And you can tell, say, I want 100% in this or 50 in that, 20, 25, whatever, whatever. And then it will do the investing on your behalf. Or you can go another step further and with a minimum of $10,000 balance, you can invest directly into ASX 300 exactly. and choose specific stocks. So I'm not doing that yet. I think, um, I think, broadly speaking, what they're doing is generally investing in the top 300 yeah. anyway mm. and giving exposure also to bonds and property and a bit of cash and whatnot. So the thing that I do is tinker with the percentage of what's in what because there's, to me, no point now being in cash. Yeah. Um, so I try and remove as much of it from cash exposure as I can. Um, did you did you go over this and this is getting a bit sidetracked, but it's, it's on point. Did you go over this in your super episode, which... I recommend to everyone listening, go back and listen to it. <laughs> um, did you go over uh, the different uh, streams of investing within your super fund? Because when I spoke to my fund, there's obviously different ratings. So you can be an aggressive, aggressive yeah. conservative or yeah. ultra con- or balanced or can- you went over that? I think from our point of view, I don't think we touched on it in too much detail, but in my point of view, there's no point being anything other than aggressive. At this age. At this so, age. Hmm, I think yes. what we did say is that there's a general rule of thumb, which is just that, a general rule of thumb, and people say the percentage of defensive investments you should have, um, so bonds, cash, stuff like that, should roughly correlate with your age. Mm. So in your super, if you're 20 you have about 20% in defensive and 80% in aggressive, so mainly in shares. But then if by the time you're 80, 
you have about 80% in those defensive holdings and about 20% in the mm. more aggressive stuff. Mm. So as a general rule of thumb, it's a pretty easy way to sort of think about it. As you get older, as you get closer to retirement, you get more defensive. Mm. Yeah. Super's an interesting one. I wouldn't, like, the way you view it, for us, we're not going to be able to touch it. For, and I'm sure by the time it actually comes to us touching it, the government will have changed rules. Like, we're going to probably live longer. Might be dead. Yeah, well, exactly. The stress, the stress on the economy to support baby boomers and that sort of stuff is only going to increase. So I'm sure regulation is going to change around super. And so we might not be touching it for another 60 years, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. what are your thoughts, Akip, on putting extra into super than you are already? Um, and B, um, you're talking about like an aggressive approach. Do you have thoughts on, on aggressive or balanced or whatever it may be? So I moved, I moved it to aggressive. Uh, I did get some financial advice, maybe, I think when I first started full-time work. <clears throat> and so I just contacted my fund and it was really easy, just moved it from balanced, I think it was, to aggressive. Um, who knows what the dollar figure result will be in 50 years' time, but I'm sure it'll be, well, I hope it's positive. And it's the same thing, it's the same idea, right, because I'm not thinking about my super. It gets taken out of my pay each week or every fortnight it goes in, don't have to worry about it. And so to answer your question, I moved it to aggressive for that reason. But I think, well, I'm not sure when I'll do it, but I will increase my contributions Mm -hmm. because I've had a look at the stats and I've heard some commentary from no one in particular around increasing your super to 15% (laughs) and the the effect that that compound interest has over time. And I was actually chatting to my brother over the weekend about it, we were back home for the Queen's birthday long weekend in Wangaratta and we were just walking along the river, um, clearly having a fascinating time talking about <laughs> shares and finances. <laughs> but uh, we were talking about that whole, that, that whole idea of set and forget. So whether it's now or in five years' time, increasing that uh, from 9.5% to 15%, I don't think I would really notice it once it was taken out. I think I could very quickly get used to mm-hmm. five, you know, that yeah. that money missing mm-hmm. on a fortnightly basis. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, less coffee. I don't know, less. I don't know what else I buy, but you, know, you, <laughs> you so, could very get it. Yeah, you could very easily get used to it. Would you then consider moving it back down if you were to start saving for a house, for example, or? Is this something that you would move to 15 and then just... Because my, my whole point with this, and I've discussed with Ren, is it's that opportunity cost around... Um, obviously, you're not going to be able to touch that money for a long period of time. Mm. So you could theoretically say, well, that X amount of dollars that would otherwise be going super, you might treat as an investment in another form that you could access in, say, 20 years when it comes to, I, I don't know, moving to part-time work and, or, or whatever it may be. Mm. Um, and I know Renners has thoughts on this as well, but... Mm. Um, what are your thoughts? So I think Bryce is right, but I also think the the tax benefit you get from super yeah. gives you a real head start. Mm. You know, if you taxed at half the rate you're taxed at if you're going to just invest it normally, like you're going to get paid and invest it, the rate of return you need on your super is less mm. to break even, mm. if that makes sense. So... I think taking advantage of the first home buyer's super saver scheme mm. is a, a real tick if you're planning on buying a house at some point because it's money, one, that's tax advantaged and two, you can access before you retire. 
Then I think after that, it just really depends on how much you spend, how much you save. Because Bryce is right, there's an opportunity cost. Like, you don't want to have a million bucks locked away, not being able to touch it for years. Um, but also, you're right, it's, it's an easy way to save. So, I mean, even if you did it to 12 mm. or 10. The, the well, other, one of my financial, yeah, at the, Jacob, he said 12. Mm. Yeah. The, the other thing is, though, like, you can change it. Like, if you have a kid and you get married and yeah. your expenses increase, you can go from 15 to 12 or from 12 well, to 15. Well, it's a comment you made when we did the episode, and I've been thinking about it. It's like, now now when we have the opportunity and we don't have any of those yeah. extra costs, it's you like... You easily get used just, to it. Yeah, yeah. Smash it out now, and then if you do yeah. have a kid... And God forbid. There, would be, um. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are also, you know, like we talk about compounding a lot, but doing 15% now and then doing nine for the rest of your life will get you so much further ahead than if you're trying to catch up yeah, later in time. life and you're trying to do 15 when you're, you know, like my, my folks are in that situation where they're trying to maximize Just their Just smash it now. out, yeah. But like you, you're fighting a losing hand, like yeah. you got to do it now. Yeah. yeah. So, not to dictate the direction of the podcast. No, by all means. Ah, this is your show, mate. In terms of it is my show. No plugs. <laughs> the people you meet, watch this face. Um, in terms of, sorry, I just knocked the table. In terms of my direction and wanting to put money into ETFs and getting a range of uh, sectors or industries, whatever you guys call it on the podcast, and also... Um, a diversity of markets, so Europe, I don't know, Asia, Southeast yeah. Asia, whatever it is, America, Australia, would you have, where do I go to do that, I guess, what? where do I look to um, with my approach, so I'm going to be doing maybe a couple of grand every few months mm. from the next 18 months, is there a platform that's better than another to do that? It's a good question. Great question. I can speak from my personal experience. You might have a different answer. Personally, for me, IG.com is a... It's it's not as intuitive as Stake or some of the banks. Like It's a bit harder to use. But in terms of access to international markets, for me, it's probably up there with the best. Didn't Bryce say you have to... Yeah. Yeah, so the so, caveat on that is that you need to trade at least once a month. Yeah. Otherwise, you get stung avoid a $50 fee. fee you know? Yeah. So, yeah, look, if you're doing, you know, a couple of grand a quarter, that might not be the right platform for you. For me, it just, it's easy. It's all in one spot, which, which I like, and it's relatively cheap. But I think if you, even if you were just on stake, you could still get access to a whole bunch of different ETFs. So there'd be an ETF on Asian markets and oh, South American hundreds. markets. Yeah. Does that yeah. mean they're American companies in investing in So so think about like think about like Vanguard. Mm. So Vanguard then would you would invest in like the Vanguard ETF mm. and then they would go and buy the hundred biggest Asian companies and it would be like a Vanguard Asian one hundred right. ETF. Yeah. Yeah. Or like Is big, there a risk in that in investing in two because Vanguard's like its own company, right? Yeah. Is there a risk in but even if you did that in Australia, it's exactly the same thing. You'd be investing in an Australian company that then goes out and buys the top 500 companies in Southeast Asia. Mm. So it's much of a muchness, mm. really. They're just, they just um, are marketing themselves against each them. other. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Now, the, the only thing, and this is probably something that you don't need to worry about at this point, but if you're only investing in, say, stake and the, all the ETFs you're investing in are... US dollar denominated, mm. yeah. 
then you might be diversifying across different industries and across different areas of the world. But if everything is denominated in the US dollar mm. and the US dollar takes a dive, then, then you're 100% exposed to that risk. Mm. Yeah. So there are ETFs that are called currency hedged ETFs. Mm. And so they take that currency risk out. So that's something that you can look at. And um, given you live with me, that's something we can talk about. But <laughs> if the listeners out there are interested in it... We'll take that one offline. Yeah. <laughs> but but every, every ETF has a website that will very clearly say if there's a currency risk or if it's currency hedged. Yeah. Um, but because by the same token, you know, if the US dollar does really well, you get a benefit, but if it's currency hedged, you miss out on that benefit. So there's risks and benefits, but... Mm. I think to answer basically the, or more generally that question is, usually the big banks have, they all have their own um, brokerage service and they generally charge on the higher end of the fee spectrum per trade, especially if you're going international. I think Combank charge almost 20 bucks a trade for international, something like that. Yeah, no, I think but that's not that much if you're just going one bank, is it? Yeah, no. It, you know, if it you're depends how much you're investing. It's 1%. You know, 1%. 1%. Yeah. Our general rule of thumb is you don't want to be paying anything over 1% in brokerage. Yeah. So it's not that much, you're right, um, in terms of a one-off payment. But if you're mm-hmm. consistently investing, it all adds up. You might be charged. Yeah, if you're consistently investing in small in amounts. In sm- small yeah. amounts, yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, let's say it's a $20 investment and you're investing in $200 hits. Or if, 500 Yeah, well, yeah. but just for ease of my maths. Oh, yeah then you're 10% behind every time. Mm. Yeah, your stock needs to go up 10% just to cover that. And then the reverse side is there's now great competition in the market from online-only brokers, IG being one of them, Bell um, Bell Direct, um, ShareWell, CMC. These are all online-only and they are very competitive with their rates. So you can sort of shop around. I think Choice or Canstar do very good comparison Mm. websites. And... A lot of them align to... Is that a plug for choice of cancer? <laughs> no, a lot of them align. Well, we have interviewed Finder, so... Yes, Finder Finder yeah. And a lot of them um, are different based on your style of investing. Is it going to mm. be a lot per month, quarter, whatever it may be? Mm. Um, Would you recommend speaking to someone as in getting a one-off advice? Because obviously I'm not getting advice for you guys and nothing you're saying is, you know, we're all yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing is advice, general information only, <laughs> and I'm not coming to you guys for advice, neither is this an advice session. Gives <laughs> a lawyer. Um, yeah. However, <laughs> do you think there's utility, and I think this is a bit of a, uh, it's not a rhetorical question, but it's a bit of a loaded question. Do you think there's utility in going to see someone for advice to say, this is what I want in at the end of 2020. This is where I want my money to be, or this is how much I've got to to to, to spend. I want to get a bit of this, get into that market, this market. Do you think it's it's a good idea to get that one-off advice from a professional to say, "Yep, that's a smart idea. That's a bad idea for this reason, etc." I think your personality, yes, sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I think that's. But what, not for everyone. No. I don't think so. Do you think there's not a risk in sort of just not knowing much about the market saying, oh, I'll have a, I didn't even know it was an ETF. I'm calling it an EFT. Like, you're just going, <laughs> well, I'll go and get some European renewable energy market So I think, ETF. I think, good question. Yeah, I think there is always mm. just the basics. It's good to get advice. 
And I think for me personally, one of the things that I always felt was like I didn't have enough money to get advice. Yeah, that's like yeah. I was wasting my time. Yeah. And I reckon you know, probably everyone's felt that. And probably, you know, we're all starting our career, we've got a few grand. It's like we'll lose all our money just paying a financial advisor. It does cost a lot. Yeah, but, but not for a one off. The, the, the thing is, you can always ask how much they cost before you spend it. Mm. And there, there are pretty easy ways to access it. So, the government has a Money Smart website where you can like put your address in and it will give you all registered financial advisors. And then the Financial Planning Association of Australia also has a search function for all registered financial advisors as well. So probably use one of those functions because you know you're going to get someone who's got the right qualifications, all of that. And it makes sense just to... You know, some some of them might do a free introductory session. That's what, that's exactly my point. I was yeah. just going to say, I have a my gut feeling with one off is that it's you could almost Google the same format that they'll give you. Is is my feeling right? I, I feel like your your first one off session, they'll just be like, diversify twenty five percent here, thirty percent there, and maybe that's what you need. But that, but that is important in and of itself. Just yeah. being have a for, like you know, Kip's here, being able to ask us questions. A lot of people don't have an ability to ask us questions. They might, you know, listen to the podcast, but at the end of the day, looking across the table from someone and being able to ask you questions is probably a useful thing to do. Sure. But yeah, you also no, pay I, for I what you get. You, you get what you pay for, right? Oh, absolutely. So well, if it's a one-off free consultation, maybe that's not. No, what no, no, no. The podcast is free. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I did a session with one financial advice firm for specifically for millennials. I'm not going to just name. to come back to that. This is an advice. Though, so. <laughs> I'm not going to name True. names, and they charged six hundred and fifty bucks a Jeez. month, a month to mm. for their services for millennials. For millennials, yeah. And yeah. I'm like, who? Give me a millennial. Just also under, explain to me. Like I know it's a business thing, and it's like where they're pitching it. But why is financial advice for millennials different? It's not. It's That's the thing. The well, just time, time, horizon. Yeah. yeah, and then they're like, "Oh, but you know, we've got a case study of um, John, twenty-eight-year-old investment banker." Who I'm like, "Stop right there, mate. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not all investment bankers." So I've got anyway. nothing against uh, uh, an obligation-free appointment. I actually, work for a no win, no fee personal injury law firm. Um, I, I deliver an excellent service, not only in the first appointment, but in every appointment that follows. Um, and that's beside the point. Anyway, we can come back to that. But I've got nothing against uh, an obligation-free appointment or, or a first-free appointment. But I think, I guess what I was asking, and I think if I was to do that, do that I'd, I feel I'd be comfortable paying something in the vicinity of Maybe as high as four or five hundred dollars to get a really comprehensive, you know, mini plan because mm-hmm. that's an investment in itself. Mm-hmm. It's Who also knows tax- if that person, that that man or woman's doing a good job and just gonna have to trust them or not. But they're gonna give me uh, some direction, hopefully, some advice, some risks, some ins and outs, and on that basis, I can then move forward with a bit more confidence. Because at the moment, I might just speak to you guys and say. You know, I was interested in AGL, so I asked Renders about that. And so now I might move into an ETF that's on renewables and energy. But who knows if that's... I don't, I don't know anything about it. It would be good to get a professional advice mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. And the, probably the important thing to understand is that a lot of financial planners and advisors can advise you on your individual circumstances. They can tell you, you know, um, some 
basic things and tax things, but they're not going to be able to tell you to invest in AGL or not. Yeah, and they're not the going thing. to be able to predict the market they're any not, better than yeah, yeah. yeah. They will give you general asset allocation advice, mm. is my understanding. Yeah. They won't. They'll still leave it up to you to be. I, I couldn't be totally wrong, but that's that's kind of the vibe I get from that, yeah. those sorts of sessions. So yeah, I think it's probably important to understand what you want to get out of the session and maybe speak to them on the phone before you book it in, and you know understand if what you want to get out of it is what they, what they can, can offer. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, as you say, you know, you're. You're a lawyer, and if your clients just expect to walk in and you know two weeks later get handed a check, you probably need to set expectations early. And yeah, yeah. you know, same same with financial advice. It's it's heavily regulated. It's very specific, and oftentimes it doesn't match expectations. Mm-hmm. Nice. Not, well, not saying that you couldn't get a check in two weeks, though. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't happened, but strange things. <laughs> Well, we're uh, approaching the 60-minute mark, Ren, so... Yeah, we thought um, this would only be a 20-minute chat. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like we could almost talk for another hour, so... Well, let's... Um, we Let's take the rest offline. We'll stop and... talking about finance. <laughs> but maybe before we wrap up, yeah. is Kipper, you're, you know, you sort of have a, a pretty clear direction. I am an equity, mate. You, you are, <laughs> yes. you are, yeah. Is there anything that sort of plays on your mind as you think about going down that path that you've sort of laid out in the last hour for us? Any, any burning questions that you think you have and other listeners might have as well? No, I thought it was just spent an hour talking. Yeah, about yeah. yeah. There's nothing left. <laughs> uh, no, I think it, yeah, it's been great. Right. Yeah, no, so it's been good. We'll I check think... back in. What do you reckon? Yeah, maybe we, can, <laughs> maybe we can check back in, in whenever you guys, you guys run the show. Um, <laughs> we run the show on the show twice a week. No, you guys yeah, run the show. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, I see yeah, what you mean. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it'll have to you be did, when you I... Did lay, you, you did lay the pressure on early. For those listening at home, playing at home, um, I said this is the first equity mate to, to get on. So if it's, if it's a flop, we won't be doing another one. So the pressure was high. Look, I um, think you delivered that. Well, we'll let the listeners be we'll the, let the ratings be the judge of that. I think it was a successful start to what I hope to be more sessions like this with other mates of ours who are also in a very similar position to Kit. Who else yep. did you get on? Um, oh, there's, there's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people. Are, I mean, anyone we speak to is in this position of mm. wanting to. Maybe you should get a listener on. No, I was just yeah. going to finish with that. So thank you for <laughs> prompting. You guys should keep me on. <laughs> I'm here. My call out is um, to any listeners that would like to sit down with us and have a beer. We have been having a few beers as we speak to Kip, so it's all fun and games. Um, if you'd like to come and join us and have a chat about your experiences. Well, Although the snacks were taken away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you're up the snacks and the, and the bed, yeah. the snacks were removed But the, the listeners are thanking me because I didn't hear us munching away about that interview. That's true. <laughs> so by all means, we would love to speak to our listeners about their investing journey, be it uh, about to start or if you're six or 12 months in, whatever it may be. There's huge value in sharing these experiences. I don't think... Uh, you can really put a price on this sort of stuff. So yeah, I think because um, if you have questions, you're probably not the only one with questions. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And even though everyone probably has very similar questions, there's absolutely no harm in um, answering them all. So 
reach out to us on all of our channels. As always, we're on socials, Facebook, Instagram, bit of Twitter, not yeah. really. But um, And as Kip said, if you haven't already, sign up to our Thought Starters, which is a curated email every Monday morning with interesting articles that will pique your Interest. Interest. <laughs> <laughs> and if you if you want to reach out to Kip, unfortunately he's not on social media because yeah. he's too good for it. So I just to... think it's a weird, weird little <laughs> universe. I was at work the other day <laughs> and I saw you know, you, not just at work, but you see people on Facebook and there's literally just scrolling yeah, through other people's yeah. life. It's weird. It's addictive. Yeah, it is people, strange. But, yeah. Like you don't only, maybe old, it's a good only old though. men sit on the street and watch people go about their lives, which is actually pretty good <laughs> when you think about that's, it. That's but old school social media. Exactly. But when I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not entirely comfortable with it, but maybe I'm... No, I agree. Um, it's weird when you're watching someone like on a tram or something, just double looking, tapping, scrolling, yeah. double Do tapping. Do you never think yeah. to invest in Facebook based on the fact that every single person you see uses it? I think I'd have a... A moral dilemma. Yeah. Interesting. Fair yeah. call. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to save that for our uh, second interview. Yeah, mini series. <laughs> it's more, it's moral and moral ethical <laughs> objections to investing in. And uh, Bryce wanted to live forever and Kit didn't, so we can really unpack that one as well. <laughs> yeah. No, true. if you want to reach out to me, I live with Ren, so not that you'd want to reach out to me. <laughs> um, but uh, what? What's this space for um, the people you meet? That's all I'll say. People you meet. When, when, if and when that does eventuate, we will be sure to when? give you a free plug on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, get me on. Yeah. Maybe, me we'll on even get, maybe that will be when we bring you back. Yeah, that's not a bad <laughs> yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Well, promotion. Well, we're, we're sort of working to two timelines. Then, end of 2020, I think I'll have a product to, yeah. There you go. To sell. Maybe we'll have our coffee book by then as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Called Meet the Investor. The, the no, investors no, no. you meet. Oh, no, <laughs> and you'll be the front, front cover. <laughs> and it will also have our favourite charts in Uber. Yeah. That went horribly wrong. <laughs> By Kip, probably. <laughs> anyway, um, good chit chat. Ren, as always, good to be talking stocks with you and to have uh, one of our best mates join us and uh, share his story as a, as a beginner investor. And full credit, Kip, to. Coming on the show, and we sprung it on you absolutely very last minute. So, really appreciate you coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me, boys. Um, Keep up the good work. <laughs> so, you're not listening <laughs> yeah, to any of it. I love your work. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, share it with your family and friends. <laughs> yes, pass it on. So, if, if there's nothing else to add, Ren, we'll leave it then. We'll chat next week. I think that's it. Until next week. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful.